0: You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Timberwolves,
1: part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another Locked On Wolves po- Lockdown Podcast Network. As always, your host here, Cole Maleski, bringing you daily Timberwolves content. Make sure to check out the Locked On Wolves fan rig website, as well as the Locked on Wolves Twitter account that's at Locked on T-Wolves. You can also check out prior podcasts at C. Molesky. That's my personal Twitter account. I've got podcasts coming up on all those sites. Make sure to check it out to get yourself properly ready for the NBA draft. Speaking of NBA draft coverage, make sure to check out the Locked on NBA show. We are doing a great job covering the draft. If I don't mean to power ourselves back too much, the lockdown NBA hosts have all come together and made a really cool mock draft uh, going through all the picks, uh, episode by episode, going through six picks at a time. And each pick from every NBA host is being analyzed by Sports Illustrated. Jeremy Wu, he is a draft expert and college basketball expert, and he is analyzing each one of the picks coming out for every single pick from all the Locked On NBA hosts. One of the guys who helped out with that effort, Matt Peck, host of the Locked On Bulls podcast. Matt, thanks for joining the show today. What, what a great way to kind of join up together as, a, as an NBA team, all the hosts coming together to put together this mock draft on the Locked On NBA show. Yeah,
0: thanks for having me, Colton. Uh, I think it's one of the things that's so great about having such an expansive podcast network and being part of the Locked On team is that uh, we were able to do something like this where we have local experts and analysis for uh, and, and analysts for each team in this great league uh, that has such an exciting uh, offseason. I feel like more so even than the NFL, the NBA has, has become – the biggest and most fan favorite, three hundred and sixty-five day a year sport, um, and I think that what the Lock On Podcast Network has done with all of this draft content has really sort of utilized how popular the NBA offseason is. And now it's the draft, and after this whole draft process, I'm sure we'll be doing similar things with free agency. Um, but the draft, the, the mock draft, has been a really fun process, and I'm, I'm sure you would agree with me here that it definitely was also eye-opening because. We, my my co-host Jordan and I, locked on Bulls. were certainly not expecting Marvin Bagley the third to fall into our lap with the seventh pick. We weren't expecting somebody to take a chance on Trey Young in the top four. Definitely uh, a fun experience to see how other teams uh, and in other markets are viewing this draft in, in ways that maybe aren't the general. Con- what we have seen from mock drafts from other sports media uh, folks that are kind of anticipating not a whole lot of flexibility. And then here, Locked On does a, a, a league-wide mock draft, and there were definitely some surprises. So that was definitely fun.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's good, too, when you're, you're looking at guys who cover teams uh, day in and day out versus kind of the guys who are who are covering the, the national perspective of the NBA and trying to grab a capture of the larger NBA and not really team-by-team team basis. It's interesting to see where the value is placed. If you look at a lot of mock drafts that are done by places like CBS, ESPN, that are trying to cover the entirety of the NBA in a broad scope, there's a lot of value on guys, on, on bigs like DeAndre Ayton, uh, Muhammad Bamba, Marvin Bagley. Whereas it seems to me, and now I, I don't check out every single newspaper or anything like that that's across the country, but it just seems to me when I'm looking at smaller scale, when I'm looking at guys uh, around the Twin Cities who do mock drafts, when I'm looking at like the, the mock drafts for uh, for ourselves uh, from the host of the, the Lockdown Network that are covering individual teams, you kind of tell that the value really seems to be in Guards that can can make plays for themselves that can create their own offense, or guys that can defend and and attack the three point line line on each side of of the ball. It, does it seem that way to you or do you do do you feel that value still in big centers like a bomba?
0: Well, I mean, I think there's the fact that when it comes to the top tier talent in this specific twenty eighteen draft class, four of those top five or six guys are bigs. It's Ayton, it's Bagley, it's Bamba. Um, and, uh, you, you know, some people are even pushing other big man, Wendell Carter Jr. higher into their top 10 of draft boards. He's definitely a hot name in Chicago right now at seven. Um, I think, you know, outside of that, the, the guy who is not a big, who's projected to go in almost everybody's top fours is a very versatile player kind of in, along the ilk that you were talking about in the international teenage phenom, uh, phenom, Luka Doncic, who can do a lot of different things for whichever team drafts him. and uh, And then outside of that top tier of bigs, I definitely think across the board, most of the talent outside of them that's projected to go in the first round are definitely those versatile, can play multiple positions, can defend multiple positions, long athletic kind of, kind of, Talents that are sort of becoming
1: the most valuable pieces to NBA teams right now, the way that the NBA is being played. And and speaking of the talent leaving the the college sphere and head to the NBA, last season, uh, one of the, the blockbuster trades of the year and definitely of draft night was Jimmy Butler headed to the Minnesota Timberwolves, but also kind of the, the thing that became more prevalent but was under the radar at the time. The swapping of picks so that uh, that the, the Bulls were able to move up in the draft and grab Markkinen, and the Timberwolves moved back to that 17 and later picked Justin Patton. And both pretty impact, impactful plays, especially for the Bulls with the production they got from year one from Markkinen. But this year now, both teams with... Uh, now kind of swap spots, the, the Bulls starting out with that higher pick, the Timberwolves a little later in the draft. And I wanted to get to the conversation because there was a willingness by both teams to move around not only assets but picks in the draft to to acquire talent that they thought that would really make a difference. Who are the players that you would be fine with your team moving around if they were to draft X? So the we're gonna go with the five players that you would be willing to move around in the draft for in would would be fine with your, your team making moves in the draft four, and we're going to go first pick. We're going to go with the the fifth pick. So who's the fifth guy? And uh, we'll go five through one. So who's your fifth guy?
0: Um, I guess I would say in in a hypothetical scenario where the Bulls aren't infatuated with anybody on the board at seven, um, they want are looking to add assets because they're a rebuilding team and they need as many young assets as they can get right now. I would say uh, somebody like Miles Bridges of Michigan state, uh, the, the versatile wing player that this bulls roster desperately needs right now. He's projected to go somewhere in the early teens. The Denver nuggets who are slotted at 14 right now, to get off of that Kenneth Fareed contract, the Bulls and their cap situation are able to, if they want to, leading into draft night or at some point this offseason, take on a bad contract to get some kind of assets back with it. So we've also heard that Denver's interested in moving up uh, in in this upcoming draft. So say, buddy at seven, I would be okay with them trading out of that spot and going down to fourteen, swapping those picks with with the Nuggets uh, and the. With with the plan being the Bulls know that Miles Bridges of Michigan State is going to be there at that pick, and, and then also the Bulls are getting some kind of other compensation for taking on Farid's contract and doing that swap from seven to fourteen.
1: No, I like that, and I like the the kind of pairing last year you go with uh, Markkinen. Uh, maybe he, he's got the the smaller frame, maybe, uh, but he he maybe is the more offensively inclined. And now you add the the bigger guy in Miles Bridges who can who can bang around a little more is going to be a little more physical uh, I kind of like that pairing uh for draft year draft year as far as for the Timberwolves my fifth guy would be Shea Gilchrist-Alexander just because I know that Timberwolves right now even if they don't have if even if they don't bring back Derrick Rose they have a few point guards especially if they bring back Derrick Rose but I really like the defensive aspect that Gilchrist Alexander brings to the, the table at 6'6 six, six with a 7-foot wingspan, I think that you can really just throw him on a guy and he can kind of blanket them. And whatever offensive production you get from him, and I think he would add an offensive asset, but whatever you get from him night-to-night night offensively, he'll be worth it just because he can shut down somebody from the perimeter. Uh, an aspect that the Timberwolves desperately needed last season uh, and it will need this season again is somebody who can defend the, the three-point shot really well. And I think that Alexander is one of those guys that can come in and immediately do that just because of his length and his speed. Uh, It'll make up for some of the mistakes he'll make as a rookie defensively. And so I like him. If they wanted to move up for him, that'd be totally fine with me. Uh, Who's your fourth guy, Matt? Uh, I I guess I would call it a tie uh,
0: between the other – Michael Bridges of Nova, a two-time champion uh, through the NCAA tournament. Uh, He definitely fits all of the – Regular category front office is looking for when they're eva- evaluating talent coming into the draft. You know, a, a major blue chip program, a high character guy. Um, he definitely is another one of the who would be able to come right away. He's already in his early 20s and definitely is a plug-and-play player right now for a roster that des- desperately needs that, whereas some of these kids in this draft are one-and-done players or-, or Doncic international players still in his teen years. There are, pro- there are projects mm-hmm. that are expected to take a while to develop. Um, so whereas another guy on my list, as far as maybe moving around, um, would be Kevin Knox, who's an that's also – In of that same ilk and playing that same position is younger and more of a project. Uh, Similar to what I was talking about with Miles Bridges, if the Bulls are looking to trade out of that seventh spot and really like an offer that they get from somebody. I mentioned Denver. Another hypothetical is if the Clippers want to move up, because the Clippers have those back-to-back picks at 12 and 13 right now, if the Bulls would feel comfortable and confident knowing that they could get Mikael Bridges with that, 12th and or 11th pick if they were to swing some kind of deal with the Clippers. That's another guy that I think Bulls fans aren't thrilled about the idea of taking Mikhail Bridges at seven. I think most people in Chicago agree that would be reaching at that spot, but if they were to be able to trade down and add some assets and take Mikhail Bridges at 12 or maybe even 13, I think everybody would say job well done.
1: No. Yeah. And I like being able to trade back for players that you still really like and are still getting great value on these picks. I think this draft is a lot deeper than people give it credit for. And uh, tell me I'm wrong, but there's a scenario where this draft might actually be better than last year's draft, which was the, the more highly touted of the two. And, and But this one might actually have more players that can come in and give you uh, 20 to 25 really great minutes. At, and, and maybe there's, maybe there'll, that last year's draft will just edge out this year's as far as starters but as far as just the the wealth of guys that can come in and give you solid minutes whether that's at starting or whether that's 25 or 20, 25 really good minutes there's just so many guys that i see on this draft that can jump in right away on an nba roster and give you at least a really great b player off the bench
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't disagree with you there. I think a lot of people are talking about the the drop off after the top tier, um, and as we have been talking about, most of those in the top tier in this draft are projected to be those bigs that we've that we've discussed. But um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if overall this twenty eighteen draft class turns out to be long term a more successful and a more productive draft class than twenty seventeen. Obviously, there were some some. Some highlights, the Bulls and taking in at seven. Certainly, he looks to be one of the better players in that 2017 draft class, made the all-rookie team. Of course, Donovan Mitchell of the Utah Jazz blew everybody away and blew expectations mm. away, whereas some guys kind of were underwhelming. And, and guys at the top, Fultz, Lonzo Ball guys who had kind of blah rookie years. Um, I think there's absolutely potential for this
1: 2018 draft class to pan out uh, to be stronger than, than last year's. Speaking of that, uh, Mikhail Burgess is going to be on my list a little bit later. Uh, the guy I had at fourth, that I'd be willing to move around for if the, the Timberwolves wanted to move up just a few spots, package somebody to move up a few more spots. Uh, Robert Williams, the Texas a and sophomore power forward uh, over the the course of the season, it was always kind of the power forwards were the more th- thin position that the Timberwolves had, and, and it definitely stayed that way going into the off season. As of yet, before they've picked up any free agents to address that, and throughout the few first few or throughout the last month or so, uh, I've been fine with the Timberwolves probably going and, and grabbing more stretch three and D guys, and not it really ignoring that problem and trying to fix other areas uh, that they needed more, more attention to. But if they're going to grab somebody to address the power forward situation, moving up and grabbing Robert Williams, it would be just fine with me. I don't like to put too much stock in March Madness because these guys do work over the course of a season to put together these profiles that you should base your picks off of. But what he did against the Tar Heels and what he did in March Madness, especially defensively, with the way he was blocking, getting after shots, and the way he was getting after the, the boards and g- attacking the glass, what he was able to do in the, in the when the stakes were really, really high, and then what that pairs with the stats that he had throughout the season, averaging 9.2 rebounds and 2.6 blocks per game, it really showed that that wasn't just a flash in the pan, that he is really a, a vicious defensive player and really going to be strong off the glass. So if they need, if they're going to address kind of helping towns on the boards and getting another guy in there can, that can attack the glass, especially if they're going to try and move Gorgie and maybe, uh, maybe even Taj Gibson, try and move a bunch of pieces. I think a young guy that can come in and help them right away is uh, Robert Williams off of Texas AM. and Yeah.
0: I, I really like Robert Williams, uh, a guy who's projected to go somewhere in the, in the mid teens. Uh, not, I don't think I've really not heard anything much about him being on the bulls draft board because outside of, where the Bulls need to add depth at the three and deep spot. They also are looking for a big to complement Markkinen in that front court. I don't know if the Bulls see Robert Williams as a great fit with Markkinen. Um, and he also is just in a spot between where the Bulls' two picks are right now as far as what his projected value is in this draft. Um, so if somebody – I would say so for my number three on my list of I'd be okay with the Bulls moving around in this first round uh, to trade for a guy – it's kind of in that same spot where w- Williams is projected to go in the mid teens. And that's Zaire Smith of Texas tech. Um, definitely more of a project. As I mentioned, he's still not even 19, very young, but a interesting, af- very athletic prospect playing that small forward position. And this bulls team is all about getting, you know, the, f- the phrase that makes everybody laugh and roll their eyes is younger and more athletic The Bulls front office told us that was the plan two years ago. They finally started to actually implement that plan last year uh, with the Jimmy Butler trade. So Zyger Smith is definitely a guy who it would have been great if the Bulls were picking somewhere in those mid-teens, and I think when they made that Nico Miritich trade, Uh, Before the deadline this past season, that's kind of what they were hoping for, because that was right after the Boogie Cousins injury and people were expecting the Pelicans to fall off. And instead, they go on this great run to finish their season. And that that second Bulls pick in the first round ends up being 22 as opposed to in the teens. And maybe they were thinking they could even sneak that second pick into the lottery. That didn't happen. So in these hypotheticals of moving around in the first round, another one that Bulls fans are talking about is. Say you take that 22 pick, what would it take to trade up a few spots to get the, the guy that you really want? Because there are other wings, say the Bulls do take a big at seven, whether it's Bomba Slipping or it's Wendell Carter Jr. They will have to address that wing spot with the second pick that they have. And a lot of people are talking about, well, if, they, if the Bulls really like one of the wings in this draft, do what you can, do whatever you need to do, and package the 22nd pick to move up, into the teens to get that wing that you really want. I mentioned both of the Bridges. I mentioned Kevin Knox. I think if they're all gone, Zaire Smith might be an under, another interesting name that the Bulls might want to say, this is the guy that we really want. We think his upside and his potential is better than some of those other wings that are projected to go in the mid to late 20s.
1: No, I, I like that a lot. And Zaire Smith, another guy too, that could come in and, if nothing else, be kind of a confident player. From range, and that kind of plays into my third guy, Grayson Allen. I he's the guy I would be fine with the Timberwolves if they were trying to get out of some of this cap situation, and they move back in the draft, and they move back to kind of the later picks at the at the back of the the first round. Grayson Allen will be one of those players that's available. I think picks twenty six through thirty, and he's he's a guy he showed a lot of flexibilities last year at college with Bagley Gary. Trent Jr. on the team. Uh, maybe not as big of a role there was plenty of games where he was coming off the bench, in fact, but he was still able to shoot 37% from three-point range uh, and always been a pretty solid three-point shooter in his collegiate career. And I like the idea of somebody who can kind of fit into a couple roles for the, the Timberwolves. And if he's on the bench, he can play either point guard, he can play shooting guard, uh, and he can come off the bench. And you know at least he's going to help your three-point shooting. He's going to help the perimeter. And really, if you're the Timberwolves, kind of the biggest thing you need is not even guys who are necessarily going to be electric from three-point range, but just guys who are going to be willing to shoot from three-point range. Jamal Crawford is not joining the team next season. He's walking this summer, not not opting into his second year. And leaving with him is the guy who attempted the most three-pointers. I believe it was... uh, uh, like 6.1 three-pointers per game. And after that, uh, the next guy is Wiggins at like 4.5 three-pointers a- attempts per game. So the Timberwolves just need guys who are going to throw up shots from range. And Grayson now is somebody you can move back for, try and get out some of those uh, contracts like a-, a Cole or a, a Gorgie Jang, and uh, and you can still grab a guy who's going to help you three-point shooting-wise. That's, uh, that's fair. I, I think uh,
0: for the T-Wolves, it definitely makes a lot of sense. Just from from what I have been seeing and reading and hearing from all of our uh, you know all of our listeners who who text in and call into Locked On Bulls the the idea of Grayson Allen with that Bulls second pick in the first round is is the biggest joke in Chicago right now nobody wants
1: <laughs> nobody in Chicago wants anything to do with him and I and I would agree with that for the most part. <laughs> hey, you know what? Reputation aside. If I can get anybody who's willing to just take about six to seven threes a game, I'll take it. Okay. Hey, no, that's, I'll that's take fair. It. I think, you know, for, for most Chicagoans, it's the fact that he
0: appears to be kind of a dirty little, dirty little, you know, dirty little player. And, you know, you can't ignore the uncanny resemblance to Ted Cruz. Nobody wants that on their NBA team. <laughs>
1: You know what, we're, we're not going to just take this too much further. Otherwise, you're going to start politically <laughs> bad as well as NBA bad. What, who's your who's your second guy that you would to move around for, Matt?
0: Uh, all right, so this, uh, now with picks two and one, I'm going to shift gears and talk about guys that I, I would like to see the Bulls trade up for from seven into somewhere around the top three or the top four. Uh, I've said all along since lottery night and finding out the Bulls were picking seventh uh, on Locked On Bulls that I do not – see this happening. I don't think it's realistic that the Bulls are going to find a trade partner to move up, even with this most recent report that maybe Memphis is looking to trade down and get out of that Chandler Parsons contract. I just don't know what the Bulls have that they can package for somebody to move up because people so highly value, front offices so highly value these elite top tier first round picks these days. Um, and, And there are plenty of good reasons for that. So with that, with that being said, I don't think it's likely that the Bulls trade up from seven. If they were, and they were to pull off some kind of move, the second guy that I would want them to do that for is Luka Doncic. I think that kid has so much potential at the NBA level. Um, what he's done playing overseas already at such a young age is truly remarkable. Um, you know, leading his his club team uh, through all sorts of wonderful championship performances and the way that he has been the leader of that team at such a young age. I think he's versatile on the floor. He can pass, he can shoot, he can create his own shot. He can create looks for his teammates. Might be right there alongside Trey Young, the best passer in this league or I'm sorry, in this draft class. And people are kind of talking about the fact that he might slide that, that. Phoenix and Sacramento and Atlanta and everybody's going to play it safe and take these bigs, boom, boom, boom. If Doncic is still there at four and Memphis is really looking to trade down and get rid of that Parsons contract, the Bulls can take a contract and if they were to move with and take Luka Doncic at four, I, I think he would be a perfect fit for this Bulls roster
1: right now. You think teams would have learned after the Porzingis- draft that uh, that really kind of basing too much on the fact that they, were, that they weren't able to see this guy play against other uh, maybe notable NBA talent like some guys in college are able to do when they're here in the States versus over in international play uh, is kind of a mistake. And ju- you should just base it off of the, the upside and just what they're able to do no matter what the talent is translatable and those are, are things that they can bring over uh, no matter who they're playing against whether it's guys in europe or or against other guys who are going to be in the nba draft in like march madness and stuff like that you think they would have learned but it looks like Di- luca is going to slip again and and he might very well be the the best player in this bet in this draft for the next 10 years
0: yeah. I think it's absolutely possible that he ends up being the prize of this draft. And you're, I mean, you're right. Knicks fans crucified the, the organization for that Chris Stapps pick when it happened. And now they're all obsessed with him. And he basically, it ended their season when he went down with a season ending injury and they're hoping that, you know, regardless of what Chris Stapps does in his recovery process, whether he decides to take a full season off, they're building that team around him and, uh, For NBA fans who have that ignorant, uninformed opinion of like, oh, Euro guys are busts. They're all busts. It's not impossible to watch Lucas games. You can stream them online. You can find some of them that are actually televised on on random channels that aren't your, you know, now on ESPN. Or you could watch his stuff on YouTube. A lot of Lucas games are on YouTube. If you really want to inform yourself about this Euro player who you didn't get to watch in the NCAA, it's not that hard to find the content. Go find it. Educate yourself. That kid
1: is an amazing young player. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch in the NBA. Uh, My second guy, Lonnie Walker out of Miami, Uh, you saw early on uh, a few months ago, he was one of those guys, and I talked about a few months ago because he was one of those guys that was really acquirable at 20 for the Timberwolves, and he was kind of in that 18 to 22, 23 range. Uh it, it, it was because, I think, in large part to his production at the beginning of the season. But he had work on his meniscus over the summer last year. And it kind of showed in the first couple of months of the season, he only had four uh, games of 15 or more points. But then you saw later when he was getting more comfortable on that knee, the la- the back half of the season, the last two months of the season, he only had, like, I think, I believe, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it was five games where he had under, Double-digit points, and so it really showed the last couple months of the season that he was growing in comfort, growing in his, uh, in his uh, kind of health, and and you saw that knee really reach hundred percent. And when he reaches hundred percent, he is one of the more, he's one of the more deadly three-point shooters in this draft, and he's one of the better defenders as well. Great on-ball defender gets a little lost defensively when uh, he's off-ball and when he's trying to kind of switch and play in that role, but when he's on ball, he is locked in defensively. Really fun to watch him. And then, as far as a catch-and-shoot player and just a guy who can create his own shot a little bit off the dribble, driving to the basket because teams fear his three-point shot, he's one of the better players in this draft, and you've seen that rewarded because he's moved up. I've seen a lot of drafts take him now in that 14-11 to 11 range, and I've seen drafts put him as high as the the 10th pick overall, and so that boost has really been a, a show of how good he is, and how the last season was really affected more by injury than anywhere else. And somebody that could really come in and make a difference immediately on the Timberwolves is Lonnie Walker. Yeah, I,
0: I, I definitely with you there, Colton. I think um, Lonnie Walker might be one of the guys that we look back on and say, wow, if he does slip to say the mid teens, the player that he has the potential to become, he could absolutely end up being one of the steals of this draft.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, who is your number one player that you're ma- willing to make a move for that you would be most happy for your team to trade for, Matt?
0: Well, it's, uh, it's not likely, as I said, <laughs> I'll say that again, but my number one, and this is who I personally believe might end up being the best player in this draft as far as NBA career, level of production, and longevity. Jaron Jackson Jr., the big from, from Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely love this kid. Uh, I think, I mean, for me, he's he's uh, he's better and a, and, a, and a better, higher prospect and a higher ceiling than DeAndre Aiden, than Marvin Bagley, than Mo Bamba. I think he would fit perfectly with Markinen in the Bulls' front court. Um, this kid. He's he's six eleven and he you know he doesn't have the insane bomba wingspan but his wingspan is still a pretty darn good seven foot four and he's more mobile than Bamba and and some of these other bigs that are projected to go in in the top five or the top six he actually has a higher block rate than Mo Bamba uh, which is crazy I think he is a better defender if you're talking about crop uh, you know mobility and. And he can space the floor. People have been talking about, oh, look, you know, Mo Bamba's developing his range. Here's some video of him shooting threes in an empty gym. Okay, Bamba didn't really do that in his one year at Texas. You know, Jaron Jackson Jr. shot 40% from deep uh, for, Mm -hmm. for Michigan State. And not only that, he's the best free throw shooter among all these bigs where that's Certainly, always a glaring weakness among bigs in the NBA. Yeah, they might be able to run the pick and roll and catch and block shots. But if the game is on the line, can you have them in there late in the fourth quarter because they can make free throws? Or do you have to worry about that? He is an excellent three point shooter. He's an excellent free throw shooter. And I think he has potential to be one of the best versatile guard any position on the floor defenders in the next generation of the NBA. Um, I, I absolutely see zero likelihood of him falling out of the top four, the top five and finding his way to the bulls at seven. If the bulls really like this guy and really want this kid, they have to go get him. And of all the moves that the bulls could make in the draft, I would love to see them make any and all possible phone calls of anybody in that top three or four to say, what will it take for you to give us your pick so that we can take Jaron Jackson jr. I love the kid.
1: No, oh, yeah, I, I think he's a fantastic prospect. I like that you brought free throws. I think that that is something that's kind of underplayed. But uh, if you can't play your guy, if you can't play your top four draft pick in the final 10 minutes of a game, uh, then I think that he loses value right there immediately. And I like, too, uh you saw the bigs. Uh, uh, this really was true of teams like Boston in the, the NBA playoffs. And if I'm looking at the drafts, that's kind of who I'm looking at is who are young guys on, on teams in the the top levels of the NBA playoffs it, because those are kind of the guys I want to mold my drafts after because that, that's where the NBA is at and that's where those are the teams you're trying to chase. And you see big bit there on teams like Boston, you have Al Horford, Aaron Baines, those guys were totally willing and they were actually setting up plays for those t- kind of guys to take shots from the top of the key or corner threes. Uh, and those are huge, those are big guys playing center position, and they're willing to take shots in games, not not in empty gyms, but in actual games with a lot on the line. They're able to take shots for three, and so to be able to draft a big guy who's going to impact your interior defense so much and still be able to stretch the floor like Jaron Jackson, I think that's so valuable, especially for a team like the Bulls that's rebuilding and kind of reconstructing their roster. Now to give a, a young excite, a point guard they're excited about Uh, a guy like Jaron Jackson, and to be able to give a guy like Zach Levine kind of that space, too, because when teams are going to have to stay honest on a guy like that, and then he's going to screen for Levine and run to the rim, you got to have defenders chasing him all over the place, and that's going to open up a lot of stuff for Zach as well. Yeah, that's what the Bulls need right now. They need to add talent, they need to
0: add young talent, and they also need to ideally add young talent that doesn't need the ball in their hands to be effective because this weird situation the Bulls are in now with – Uh, the guys they got from Minnesota, Chris Dunn and Zach Levine, who is running the offense when, who is the guy who is primarily going to be the shot taker, the shot creator. And they also have to make sure that Lowry marketing gets a lot of touches because he's probably the most talented offensive player they have right now. So in Jaron Jackson, Jr., you get a guy who can space the floor for those other pieces that the Bulls have right now. And he gives you an anchor on the defensive end that the Bulls just desperately need.
1: As far as uh, my guy, my number one guy to move forward, the Timberwolves would have to jump a lot of spots for this guy because he's going to be in the, the top 10 and uh, probably going to be in that top uh, seven or eight range for for a lot of teams. But uh, McCall Bridges, you already talked about him, the, the junior out of Villanova. I just wanted to add a couple things to what you're saying. Uh obviously his age and what he's been able to do over the last couple of years has been really impressive. I think the thing that he can rules, uh 43% shooting last year, 43% shooting from three. Just crazy uh that he was in college and, and knocking down that many that down that many threes really can tear up a team from range. But you saw in uh the tournament, especially too what he's able to do off-ball. He's a guy who you can give the ball, and for a half of basketball, he can just destroy a team controlling the offense. But you also don't need to run the offense through him, and I think that's really important when you have guys like Jimmy Butler, Jeff Teague, even if you come back with Derrick Rose again this year, already on the roster. Those guys kind of need the ball in their hand to be uh, maximum value. And Bridges, you don't need him to have the ball in his hand. He'll do a lot of stuff. He's really well coached by Villanova and by their coaching staff. He does a lot of stuff off ball moving to the rim. He's going to make a lot of cuts, especially on the baseline. Baseline cuts towards the rim to to get stuff either open up for his teammates or to to get stuff open up for himself. And so he's going to be open moving to the rim. And then that opens up his three-point shooting, really great catch and shoot three-point shooter, as well as being able to create his own shot from range. I think all those things would translate into stuff that could help the Timberwolves immediately. And I think he would end up stealing a lot of minutes from a lot of guys and end up grabbing a ton of minutes on a team where, led by Tibbs, it's really hard for young guys and guys off the bench to grab minutes. I think he would make himself immediately valuable enough to get a ton of minutes from the Timberwolves and to be able to contribute a ton to their offense and make a real difference for them immediately.
0: Absolutely, you know. I think a lot of those, uh, a lot of the th- things you just touched on are the exact reasons why I would see him as a great fit too, and why they brought him in for a workout in Chicago because he's a guy who can help their offense right away. You mentioned the uh, the very strong three point shooting that he had, uh, which uh, improved uh, while he was playing in Nova, and the fact that he is a guy who can get you buckets and can get you points without needing the ball and like you said whether it's the Timberwolves and Jimmy Butler and Teague and people that need the ball in their hand or for the Bulls it's done in Levine they uh you know those three and D wing players that can give you offense when you want it and when you need it but otherwise can just offer spacing on the floor for those other players to operate it's uh, you know it's a big reason the Bulls like him just as uh for you it's a reason that he would fit in well with the Timberwolves Absolutely. Well, Those are
1: our top five for each of us that we are willing to move around in the draft for. Those are the guys that if, they're gonna, if, the, the, if our teams are going to move or, or make a change in their pick, those are the guys they should be making moves for. Matt, thank you for coming on the show today. Anything you would like to plug before we head out here? Well,
0: uh, let's see. Locked on Bulls, my co host Jordan and I will have a fresh episode out later today, Tuesday. Uh, We'll be talking about our uh, top five at the Bulls pick at seven, assuming no trades, and then our top five at 22, assuming no trades. Um, And then uh, Wednesday, we'll be doing our usual mailbag segment. So uh, between that and Uh, plenty of other drafts content and coverage that we'll be doing for the Bulls locked on Bulls. And, and as you said, uh, just the locked on podcast network across the board and the locked on NBA show, all sorts of great content going on there uh, with this NBA draft that we got coming up. So if you're curious about what other teams are doing, what, how other teams feel coming into this draft we have later this week, uh, just a reminder that, you know, if you love your local show on the locked on podcast network, there are shows every day coming out from the Locked On Pod Network uh, that uh, maybe will give you some insight and information from the outside perspective that have yet. And it's something – it's a great tool for all NBA fans as we get ready for this draft later this week.
1: Oh, yeah. It, there's, there's no end to the content getting you ready for the draft and – uh, there's tons of ways that you can be the, the, the most prepared ever for this upcoming draft. Plenty of different takes and different hosts offering their opinions and their views and, and kind of the way they see the draft going down. It, it's uh, going to be a lot of fun and there's plenty of content to get you prepped for it, especially based on a team-by-team basis. Uh, thank you so much, Matt, for coming on and joining the show. And thank you so much to the listeners for tuning to another Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.